In the early 20th century, Chicago was the meat-packing capital of the country. They called it the hog butcher for the world. And in Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle, which is all about these factories in Chicago, he wrote things that were quite unspeakable went on there in the packing houses all the time and were taken for granted by everybody. Today, most of those meatpacking facilities have been shut down, and many of the old buildings have been turned into condos and storage facilities. But on Chicago's south side, there is one former meatpacking plant that has taken on a new purpose, even a redemption of sorts. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to the plant, where people are working together to create a new kind of industrial space in Chicago's post-industrial remains. More after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. My name is John Adel, and I'm the founder and director of Bubbly Dynamics and The Plant. John Edel was born in Rogers Park on the north side of Chicago. And growing up, he was really drawn to Chicago's rich industrial history. I've always been fascinated by you know, railroads and steelmaking and meatpacking, you know, these giant heavy industries. As a teenager, John's curiosity about the city led him on some pretty cool adventures through Chicago. I was able to explore industrial areas and along railroad tracks and along the canals that are here. You know, I used to build boats and go sailing and not sailing, but paddling in the sewage canal, <laughs> you know, just to check it out and crawl into culverts of underneath buildings and, you know, explore abandoned industrial buildings. And John's love of Chicago's forgotten industrial spaces didn't go away when he grew up. Instead, John became an entrepreneur and started a business called Bubbly Dynamics, named after Bubbly Creek, an infamous industrial creek that runs through the city. Our model is to renovate and find new uses for derelict buildings that are cast off that nobody wants, industrial buildings. When John says he takes buildings that no one else wants, he's not joking. 
the first building he worked on was in pretty rough shape. The uh, whole course was a brick peeling away from the sides. No roof. I mean, like literally no roof. Uh, windows all smashed out or boarded up. It was a motorcycle junkyard. And there at one point had been a wall of shipping containers built around the outside to keep the police out. So it was basically an armed encampment. When he began working on the building in 2002, it was still a side gig. During the day, he worked in TV production. But over nights and weekends, he would go and work on this crumbling building. So I'd come down and scrape paint and install plumbing and build walls and all the things you have to do to build a building, basically. Today, that building on Bubbly Creek is fully renovated and home to 16 small businesses. But that was just the start. In 2010, John took on an even bigger renovation project, his biggest to date, and one that represents a very particular part of Chicago history. It was an old meatpacking facility that John called the plant. The plant was built in 1925, and it was a pork packing plant, mostly a smokehouse, here in Packingtown in Chicago, which was the world's largest meatpacking district. This was outside of the city limits of Chicago, and so you could pollute as much as you want and dump as much offal and blood and other crap into Bubbly Creek as you wanted. And so that's why they moved here. When John first toured the building, the realtor he was with called it a strip and rip. But John saw potential. I saw it and thought, wow, this is ideal in a lot of ways. Meatpacking plants are not like regular buildings. It's not like a warehouse where every space is kind of the same. Here at the plant, every room looks different. Different construction methods, different everything. So he bought the rundown abandoned property and the three acres it was sitting on. For years, it had sat empty with all of the windows bricked up. So it was a very depressing, cold, dark place. So John got to work, and he's a pretty hands-on guy. Oh, smashing and jackhammering and pulling out wire and torch cutting and plasma cutting and all the things we had to do to, uh, to do it. As he worked, he found aspects of the building that he could reuse and keep. So there were thousands of miles of modern wire, and we were able to salvage basically every last bit of that and use it to rewire the building. And... It wasn't just John who saw a future for the building. There was a huge group of volunteers that just started showing up, too, because people wanted to help. They saw this ridiculous project, this completely impossible hill of this filthy, smoke-filled building, but they saw the vision in it and said, wow, I want to help with that. I I have no idea how you're ever going to get there, but I would love to help. And, and get dirty. And a lot of people came and got very, very dirty hauling debris and, you know, wheelbarrows full of busted concrete and brick and all these things that we had to do to make this productive again. The thing is, it takes this kind of vision and dedication to transform old buildings like these into something new and useful. Commercial developers don't generally want to do this level of work because nothing about these projects is simple. For example, just take the financing. First off, this is a slow money project, meaning I have an art degree. I don't, you know, you can't get a bank loan 
to buy a derelict building, they'll just laugh you out of there. Believe me, I've tried and been laughed out of plenty of banks. But John knew that if he could get folks into the space, he could make it work. Here was John's pitch to new tenants. By making cheap space, like really cheap, and being there all the time and demonstrating that we're going to do everything we can to make your business succeed. It also meant that John started renovations from the bottom up. Quite literally, the first bit of the plant that he was able to rent out was a section of the basement. So the first tenant was a metal polisher who didn't need much beyond an open space to work. It was good for him, and we rolled it forward. I got one tenant in, then I got another tenant. And every time you get another tenant, you get a little bit more income, and you can buy more materials, and if necessary, hire a contractor for the stuff that we can't do. After years of work, it's not just the metal polisher anymore. The plant has dozens of new tenants and buzzes with activity. On the outside, the hulking warehouse has been transformed by murals and gardens. And on the inside, each business has turned their section of the building into exactly what they need. Like the Weiner Beer Company, which operates a taproom and brewery out of the plant and makes great use of the old floor drains. Then there's the vertical garden that takes advantage of the high ceilings and the many industrial lights throughout the building. And of course, there are the farms. We have, oh boy, four indoor farms, so growing a wide variety of microgreens mostly, lettuces, basil, uh, wheatgrass. Overall, the plant has become a hub for small experimental businesses with a major focus on food production. Uh, We've got 20 small businesses here and a wide range from brewing beer to chocolate, uh, making chocolate, roasting coffee, cheese distribution, gelato. In fact, the plant's past as a meat processing facility made it a great location to reinvent the very idea of meat. The most interesting thing these days are the research laboratories up on the top. And in those labs are startups working on alternative proteins that are hoping to help replace old-school meat production altogether. John, in a lot of ways, is very much the same as when he was a teenager taking boats through sewage canals. He still loves industrial history. But he also wants to see something new emerge from it, to find people who share his vision and to take this piece of Chicago's history and make it part of its future. It feels good, and you know, you have every once in a while I've got to look at photos from 10 years ago and to be reminded how far we've come. You know, there's actually a lot of people in the building that came from sitting in offices and just couldn't do it anymore and wanted to do something real that involved real people and physical things and, you know, making food or making a building. Or, and so it's, it's great to be surrounded by that kind, of, uh, that kind of people. I want to thank John Edel for sharing the story of the plant with us. Uh, You can visit the plant's website at plantchicago.org. That is linked in the show notes. And you'll find info about all the events going on there. Brewery tours, classes on beekeeping, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by... Baudelaire Seuss. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder-Arnold. Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, 
Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.